You're on the one ninety one FM. This is this academic life, and we're joined now by Joel Pett. Joel, are you there? I am here. How you doing? I am excellent, thank you. Feeling sarcastic and uh, mean as ever. It's a great day. Oh, it's fantastic. It's always good to feel mean and sarcastic. And I have to say that you are. Uh, I've had a Fulbright scholar on the show, and you are the first Pulitzer Prize winner I've had on air before. So. Uh, well, I'm so sorry. I'm a terrible representative of the uh, field, but uh, it'll have to do. Oh, well, I think you're an exceptional example of the field. But um, So, Joel, for those who are listening right now might not know who you are, they might be saying, who in the hell is Joel Pett? Well, I guess the question is, who are you? Oh, I'm a total nobody. I'm just a, uh, a U.S. political cartoonist. And for where do you do uh, political cartoons? My home paper is uh, Lexington, Kentucky Herald Leader, uh, which is Kentucky.com on the Internet. And then they are distributed to newspapers and websites and uh, other outlets hmm. around there, the country and around the world. There is a cartoon you did um, a few years ago. Or I, don't, I don't know exactly when. It's uh, a guy, there's a climate change, like a town's having a, a green council, and somebody says, what if we make all these changes and... Uh, the climate change is wrong. We make the world better for nothing. I think that's the, the gist of the joke. And um, Yeah, that's right. I have seen that comic around the world, honestly, in Europe and in Australia. And so people have... I know. People will recognize like you. I even never if they did def- anything else. Oh, I don't know about that. But people... So you, you can... Maybe one day when you're in Australia, you'll, you'll have a coffee in one of the trendy suburbs like Coburg or Brunswick, and then... Uh, You'll see your comic on the wall there, so that must make you a little proud. Well, yeah, they used it. Uh, they used it in Australia as part of that uh, campaign for the uh, carbon initiative uh, four or five years ago. Oh, the carbon tax, yeah. Um, and uh, it the thing has had this crazy life, uh, seriously greater than the other seven thousand cartoons I've ever drawn combined. Um, just this week, it's had another uh, go round on Twitter, mostly in Europe, because of the. Uh, climate uh, conference in Paris, mm. and uh, it's really amazing. It's a, it's uh, an illustration of the Internet. You know, it's you can get an enormous wide audience, but nobody's paying you. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the curses. You kind of stole my thunder. Actually, I thought when I told you that information that I would... Uh you would not know that. You would say, oh, well, I'm really popular in Australia. I didn't know. Oh, sorry. Oh, well, I guess the interview's sorry. over. The yeah. ruins. No. Um, how did you decide to become a cartoonist, Joel? You know, I fell in love with it. Um, I'm one of these fortunate people who got to do exactly what they wanted, uh, which I highly recommend. Um, you know, I, we had newspapers around the house, and... Um, it was the one piece of the, you know, serious part of the newspaper that wasn't the comics page that really appealed to me and spoke to me. And then when I started to uh, come of age and pay attention to some of the great American cartoonists, and of course, uh, you can't forget the the Aussies, uh, most especially my friend uh, Pat Oliphant, who I think is possibly the only true genius in the business. Um, Although he's in uh, retirement now, but nevertheless, um, I just I just fell in love with it. I mean, who wouldn't want to do this, right? Yeah, I've heard it. You have to have one idea a day. Therapy. You get to get everything off your chest and uh, make fun of people and not obey the rest of the rules of journalism and uh, not obey your 
parents' advice to not say anything if you don't have something good to say and get paid. So what's not to like? Sounds good. Um, I did have a. Um, this is my personal curiosity. What is the 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 daily life of a cartoonist? Do you write all your comics for the week, like on Monday, and then you know go fishing the rest of the week, or do you uh, have to be in the office from nine to five like everybody else? I do not have to be in the office from nine to five like everybody else. Um, you know. I can sort of, I don't think I've ever written five of them in one day, as you uh, suggest, but I've certainly done, I think, three. Um, you know, some days uh, it's like pulling teeth and you can't get it to work and everything you think of has already been done or you think is no good. Or, and then other days you can't write them down fast enough. Uh, it's pretty much exactly the way you would do it. You know, you read a lot, you listen to a lot of of uh, people who are smarter than you in one way or another, radio, television, blogging, uh, however. And uh, and you sort of, we're kind of aggregators. You know, cartoonists, we, we just sort of put together things in a, in a different way. And uh, sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's not. Hmm. And um, recently you had uh, quite a bit of controversy with a comic you did. I don't know if we'll get into the specifics of it because I'm... Um, all of the listeners here might not know some of the characters, but my my thrust of my question is: How do you deal with uh, a cartoon? Where you, you know, I, I guess an industry where you get heavily criticized, or you know, this last one where you criticize the governor's were received to criticize the governor's children. That um, you know, people calling for you to be fired, calling for saying all kinds of nasty things to you. I'm sure on social media. Like, how does one deal with that as a cartoonist? Well, what blew it up was the fact that the newly elected governor of Kentucky called me a racist. Uh, mm. And that, I think, is completely attributable to the fact that, uh, you know, he's brand new. He hasn't been at this very long. He doesn't really know enough not to react every time some, uh, you know, little puppy like me nips at his heels. So I suspect, uh, I suspect it'll be different over these four years. I hope so. And the way you react is you just take it, you know. Well, we dish it out. Uh, cartoonists... Uh, you know, uh, call people out on all kinds of things. We can take it. Uh, you know, the really ignorant uh, uh, threats and things are not pleasant, but uh, most of them are not serious. Somebody who's really going to do you harm doesn't call you up first. You know? Yeah. They yeah. just show up. Keyboard uh, warriors, I think. It's yeah. part of the job. Exactly. Yes, that's well put. Uh, but, boy, there sure are a lot of them, and it only takes a handful of... Uh, you know, talk radio uh, guys to call out their, uh, we call them in the business, the winged monkeys, where they, <laughs> you know, post your name and your email address and your phone number and say, go get this guy. And then they just descend on you for 24 hours and then they're gone. I guess they go off to someone else. Yeah. What is the worst thing you've been called by somebody? Um, let's see. Over the hill, burned out, no good anymore. That's the only part that hurts. I don't mean mind being called anything else. Right, because that's sort of more as an attack on your um, on your art, I guess, or your talent, which is different. Sure, and it goes right to the, you know the insecurities of any artist. Oh my God, maybe they're right. <laughs> yeah, um, we're going to have another guest on here in a little while, um, a Canadian guy talking about. Um, uh, other topics. This this theme of the show today is kind of American universities, and we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, the sports in America. Like you know, I know I'm from Kentucky, and you live in Lexington now. That 
basketball and football are big, big, big business. And so a lot of people in New Zealand don't understand that, or, or when they do understand it, they are, they kind of don't understand it. Maybe if, I'd like to get your take on if you were to explain and very briefly to somebody what exactly how the university sports system works in the States. Well, now it's functioning basically like a uh, set of minor leagues for professional sports. I think it's completely disassociated itself from any part of the mission of the university as an education institute, and it's just a big monstrous tail that wags the uh, dog of academia. I do it. The last time I had a big controversy, in fact, was about a sports cartoon, which I hardly ever do. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's the religion in Kentucky, and nobody gets angrier at uh, political cartoons and religious fanatics, as you may have noticed. Mm. Yeah, it's a very strange thing, because as much as I, you know, I live overseas and stuff, I still follow the Wildcats, you know, the basketball team. I don't really care about the football team, but um, it's almost the only way to have a conversation with uh, family and friends in some respects, you know, is to follow the University yeah. of Kentucky basketball. That's how <laughs> you know people. You know, I talk to my mom, we'll talk about zone defense and whether um, <laughs> Tyler Ulis, you know, his shoulder's going to get better, you know. We're all weighted on bated breath, like, about what's going to happen with his injury. And um, That's funny. Well, 31 years here have not been long enough to make me a wildcat fan. I went to Indiana, you know. Oh, no, you're a... really rub off. Yeah, so you're a Hoosier, are you? <laughs> but um, John Calipari, I think, is bigger than the governor in Kentucky. People say that about every coach, but he is the true governor of the state, I think. You are bigger than the current governor of Kentucky. We're talking about a very small man. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, that was a very disappointing election Not for me. Um, how what? Because how many people voted in this past election? Twenty, twenty-nine percent, and then he won about half. So the fifteen percent of our state decided this next governor, which is always depressing. But yeah, well, I don't know if it'd be any better if more people voted, but uh, it'd be worth a try. Yeah, you know, in Australia, um, you have to vote. It's the law. You have to vote, and if you don't yeah, vote, I'm, I'm aware of that. You get a fine. I don't so. know what kind of government you think you're running down there, but uh, we wouldn't have that here. No, absolutely not. That's it's my freedom not to vote. You know. <laughs> and in Australia, they took all the guns as well, so you can imagine how that would go down. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and healthcare. So, oh. wow. I mean, it was just a socialist now, nightmare. Was it Barack Obama who came and took all the guns? Oh, he. I think he. He. He, he didn't take them. He sold them. To the um, Islamic State is what he did. So, all right. <laughs> but I shouldn't say any more. I do have a job to keep, Joel. I should keep be quiet on that. But um, okay, um, sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. In trouble. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna have to let you go because we had a bit of a technical delay getting you on the air. But I really appreciate you taking the time, and it was an honor to speak with you. I still have. Uh, I met you when I was at the University of Kentucky, and you drew me a picture of the world being attacked by Ronald Reagan's sperm, and I still have that somewhere. So. Uh, <laughs> I'm so proud of it. Yeah, I always appreciate that. And uh, it's really nice to talk to a Pulitzer Prize winner this uh, Wednesday morning or Tuesday afternoon for you. So, Well, thanks for the call, man. Yeah. Anytime. All right. All the best. I'll be keeping up with you. And for those who um, want to know more about Joel Pett, you can find his work at Kentucky.com. And I'll put some of my favorite comics of his up on the Radio 1 webpage on www.r1.co.nz. And, again, thank you for your time, Joel. Thanks so much. All right. Have a good afternoon.